Fast Growth Business is brought to you by IP Tax Solutions, the innovation tax specialists. Hi, and welcome to this next edition of the Fast Growth Business Podcast. My name is Steve Livingston, and this podcast is aimed at entrepreneurs and founders of fast growth businesses. So you can access this podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. Uh, There you can access past episodes as well as future episodes. And it would be great if you could leave us a rating because that helps more entrepreneurs find this podcast. You can also get interactive with us in terms of leaving any comments, feedback, questions, or perhaps suggestions for future episodes. Best use the Twitter handle at IP Tax Solutions or use the hashtag FGB podcast. That would be great. And we can feature those on future episodes of the show. Delighted to bring you an interview today with Jonathan Lee. Jonathan is a corporate lawyer who deals with a lot of startups and fast growth companies across the UK. And he shares some really useful insights in terms of funding rounds and how to close a funding round from a legal perspective. Not the sort of area that we tend to deal with at IP Tax Solutions, but something that you need a good lawyer to help with. So you get a good heads up there from Jonathan on that front. We'll move on to that in a second. Before that, let's dive into our resource of the week. And today's resource of the week is brought to you by our guest, Jonathan Lee. It's actually a client of Jonathan's and it's called Cloud Employee. Cloud Employee is a web app development outsourcing centre in Manila in the Philippines where you can hire a dedicated developer from just £8 per hour. So you can get an extension of your team uh, where they select and help you select the most appropriate developer for you and they form part of your team for just, as I say, £8 an hour. So check that out cloudemployee.co.uk that's cloudemployee.co.uk is the link uh, see what you think of that and thanks Jonathan for sharing that with us okay so let's dive into today's interview with Jonathan Lee corporate lawyer at the Jonathan Lee Network so Jonathan good to have you with us today it'd be good if you could give a quick introduction um, kind of who you are what you do and where people can find you Okay. Hi, Steve. Um, yeah, my name's Jonathan Lee. I'm a um, corporate commercial solicitor. I uh, work on a self-employed basis. Um, remotely, I'm based in Mid-Sussex, but I cover um, everywhere. A lot of clients throughout the UK. Um, my website is jonathanlee.net, and there you'll find various information, free document downloads, blog posts, um, and, and a forum mostly all connected to the practice areas that I cover. And we kind of move in a similar sort of space. You do a lot of stuff around kind of startups and quite a bit around technology and on the London sort of scene. Um, and I think one of the things, um, again, via your network, I think really, and also on LinkedIn and stuff, you've been writing some stuff recently, which I thought might be of interest around uh, subscriptions, raising funding under CDIS or EIS for that matter and sort of legalities and stuff you need to go through and get right in terms of uh, closing a funding round. And you touched, I think they're quite interesting. I get a lot of questions. It's not my area at all. So I have to refer to people like yourself around um, how you manage the uh, funding round. So we should kind of, I suppose, we'll begin with that really, but in terms of the process where you're looking to, you're raising funding, you've got your startup, you've got your, hopefully you've got your CDIS advanced assurance in place with HMRC, or maybe you haven't for that matter, mm. maybe that's part of the problem here, is maybe you're waiting for it because there's often quite a backlog that HMRC have. You've got people are biting mm. at the bit to, to invest the money. So do you want to talk through some of the points that you come across there um, and how we can maybe deal with it? Um, yes, I think you picked up on a post uh, or on my forum where someone 
actually a client of mine posted the query basically was how how do I close a funding round um, and which is a question that I get a lot of people wanting to know and understand the process involved um, or have some more of an understanding because there's there's not a lot of information out there so I spent a bit of time answering that so that in future I can also uh, send that to clients rather than explaining the same points over and over again um, as well as people out there will find it and hopefully find it helpful but um, yeah there's never uh, it's a good time it's good to sort of get uh, your head around how things are going to work early on and, um, and, and you might as well um, start looking and getting your documentation in order or together before or at the same time as you apply for advance assurance yeah um, so yeah the main different ways you can do it but the main main document that investors and the existing shareholders will sign um, that makes up the fundraising round would be something called an investors investment agreement which is otherwise maybe more accurately called a subscription and shareholders agreement um, and that has two aspects to it one it has the sort of general shareholders agreement with all the um, terms you want to apply to all shareholders in respect of um, how the company is run and the relationships between the different parties um, as well as the subscription element which covers um, the basis on of the investors getting the shares um, so it will cover how the completion mechanism works as well as um, uh, several warranties that the company and sometimes the founders uh, give to um, the investors as at the time of completion about the state of the company. The warranties are basically contractual statements that that sort of give comfort to the um, investor because the idea is if any of these contractual statements are in, inaccurate, mm -hmm. then you disclose relevant information in something called a disclosure letter that goes along with the subscription shareholders agreement um, and basically means that there can't be a claim for breach of warranty and then, and then the investors have, have all available information hopefully yeah. pretty much at their fingertips when they decide to uh, make the investment and there's various different ways you can sort of play with that or, or or use or, or documentation you can use because what happens sometimes if you, you might have a an existing shareholders agreement in which case um, you could just have the investors sign a subscription agreement that just deals with the subscription element yeah. and within that subscription um, agreement there's a something a, a provision stating uh, that they become a party to the shareholders agreement which is sometimes a separate document called a deed of adherence. Mm -hmm. um, there's also many of the provisions in the shareholders agreement you could also put in your articles of association instead. Yeah. Um, sometimes people put a lot of uh, several they have their own bespoke articles that have sort of some of the more common certain provisions that would otherwise be in a shareholders agreement or in the articles. The main reason for that is one, the articles are public documents, so you might not, these are things that you might not be too fussed about having um, available publicly for anyone to download and two, it makes it easier to, um, uh, to change such provisions um, uh, if, it, if, it's, if they're in the articles, to change the articles you require 75% of the consent of the 
yeah. of a shareholders holding voting shares, whereas a shareholders agreement you have to you have to get if you want to vary it, you have to, which is commonly done in a separate document called a deed of variation, then you need to get um, every single party to the shareholders agreement to agree on that change. Um, which can be a bit harder, whereas getting 75% special resolution for shareholders, um, as long as you haven't got masses of shareholders, um, is, is somewhat more straightforward. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so that's sort of the idea of the main documentation. It, it depends sort of how, how you choose to do it, it depends on the stage of the company and what's sort of what you've got already and, and um, sometimes the investors will have certain terms that they prefer. So the profile um, can be important can't it? If you have VCs involved they will have their own particular requirements often isn't it? Yeah but commonly the majority of angel deals even ones of people raising quite you know, several hundred thousand pounds and um, you kind of they'll kind of expect the the company or the founders to take the lead um, and sort of line up their own kind of lawyer to to advise them. Um, and then if yeah, if the investors don't sort of like the look of what if it's not something that if they haven't got someone who knows what they're doing advising them, then they'll they'll probably then go then go to their own advisors and solicitors and it might get more involved and more tricky yeah. um, but if you produce something that's sort of fairly balanced and normal what they're used to seeing then um, it makes the process a lot easier and what sort of things should they be thinking about founders in terms of you know if they've never been on this path before what sorts of things would you typically see are there some fairly standard things that you would see repeatedly um yeah so off the top of my head uh, yeah i mean they, a lot of them it's um, one of the key areas would be um, listing several sort of big, fairly big or big decisions where you'll need the investor's consent or a board advisor acting on behalf of the syndicate of investors, for example, um, for the company to be able to do certain things like maybe sort of change the articles, issue new shares, create options, um, invest, incur a capital commitment of over X amount, £10,000, whatever it might be that that will have some, might have some material impact on their investment, then, then there'll be all these um, decisions that you'll put in the shareholders agreement commonly um, that that will be subject to a veto by the um, investor effectively or the or the investor director or board advisor or, or operating on behalf of them or, or have whatever it might be um, and then there yeah, there are other things like there'll be preemption rights in respect of transferring shares which is always in there so if anyone particularly in a small company in in the unlikely event that someone gets just someone gets an offer for just their shares or they want to sell them yeah. um, then you have to offer um, uh, your shares or however many are subject to that offer um, to the other shareholders on exactly the same terms and give them an opportunity first to to buy them um, before you can sell them to an outsider uh, so effectively they can you know you're not you're not you're not done over as such as the owner of, of the shares, but it allows the other shareholders to to not um, to uh, keep the, the shares as it were within their 
uh, within their group rather than having someone get involved that they might not otherwise want. And then so, and so there is this sort of document. In terms of the articles themselves, one thing that we're seeing increasingly um, is around the advanced assurance process. HMRC very, very keen to see the final version of the articles, which kind of makes sense. Um, okay. Uh, it used to be the case that you could kind of say, you know, these are the articles. We don't expect any material changes or always that effect and just setting out, you know, what, yeah. what rights are, et cetera. But I've seen increasingly where they've said, you know, if these aren't the final articles, please send them. Um, you know, we, we give provisional clearance now. Um, yeah. Great for the amendments. We want to see them uh, before you. Um, okay. Go any and, and then presumably they want to see the sh- uh, any shareholders agreement as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they do. Um, it's getting yeah, when you're applying for advanced assurance, it won't. You don't really know what the shareholders agreement, the articles will look like until right at the point. It's really important. Yeah, it's, it's from a timing perspective as well, because you know when they're taking you know maybe four to six weeks for the advanced assurance to come back, um, it's it's very difficult to have everything. You know, these you'll be well aware these sorts of things are quite time pressured, aren't they? And to then say right, okay, we've got all the documents done. Right now, let's get the advanced assurance in and wait another four mm-hmm. weeks to sit on your hands. It, it's very managing this process is getting more and more difficult. I think really, I think that's just go back to your point you said at the beginning, isn't it? Is that is the sooner you speak. Uh, about this and get start getting the the wheels in motion um, rather than kind of all this sort of stuff comes at last minute and you think you hadn't even started thinking about it. Uh, at least you can get get it you know as far as possible as quick as possible. Um, in terms of one thing you mentioned as well was around uh, timing of if you may have some investors who aren't interested in the uh, tax relief, so CDIS or EIS, and some who are. Um, mm. So you talk about some of the mechanics legally you can go around to sort of manage the the timing of the funding, etc. Um, yeah, I mean, you well, commonly the what the deals I do, it's a, a bunch quite often now, um, a bunch of uh, angel investors, and then a lot of them, or well, some of them, won't be uh, UK resident, yeah. um, tax resident, so the, the SEIS and EIS release won't apply to them, but. Yeah. But it's good. I mean, it means there seems to be quite a, an appetite out there, people around the world who are, seem to be attracted by UK tech startup opportunities. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, you can only have uh, you have to all, all the shares that make up that one round all have to be issued at the same time. Um, otherwise, you'll, you can't do it in different ways because then you'll suddenly dilute. Yeah. people who, who are meant to form that same round who, who you've issued shares to before. Um, but there has to be one completion date where um, all the documentation is in agreed form um, and, uh, and, the, and the money is uh, transferred to the company um, as at that date. Uh, sometimes, um, yeah, well, normally through, through a solicitor's client account um, who can effectively hold the funds on trust or in escrow before transferring um, the funds to the uh, um, to the company yeah. to formally complete. And that also helps on the paperwork side, doesn't it, when it comes to your um, your SEIS or your EIS one form where you get this sort of tax certification for the investors because you need one form for each round as such. And you, yeah. know, you get some cases I've seen where the money comes through in dribs and drabs 
and you know then having to yeah just... it's always a sort of difficult um issue because people like to sort of go around and sort of collect the money as it were yeah as soon as they can get somebody to commit rather than run the risk of waiting until the, the closing day of the round or the completion date and then trying to get all the money off people who said they'd commit at the same time yeah absolutely i mean i'm always kind of very what's it about that and, and you know it's kind of strict as possible in that sense in that you know you, you absolutely want to make sure that you don't um uh issue the a you know issue the shares before the cash comes in um because then it can't be you know it's very difficult to prove then that the uh cash is received in you know in exchange for the issue of the shares and likewise you don't want to wait too long afterwards after the cash is received because then it starts to look like a loan um so yeah. ideally it's the same day you know bang the cash comes in shares are issued there can be absolutely no you know um uh, disputing what it was for um yeah. is the ideal scenario wherever possible it, it like, like the whole kind of theme of this isn't it really is just just get it right do it properly day one yeah yeah and then, then i mean yeah exactly chris was the whole reason for not the whole reason obviously but the, the big reason for people investing on the basis of getting the tax release and and also that yeah the, the cleaner your records and everything is done the more attractive it is for everyone else who, who might get involved in the company future investors doing their due diligence um existing shareholders investors giving them more com- confidence in how the company is run and wanting to continue their involvement um yeah, yeah. And, 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 and avoiding avoiding the likelihood of any um, disagreements or, or disputes between the parties if um, good records are being kept. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Good. I think that probably covers um, most sort of the ins and outs of. I mean, we could go on for hours and hours about this sort of stuff, but hopefully, yeah. it's a kind of ten thousand uh, foot view of the sorts of things you need to think about. Yeah. Key points, I guess. But yeah, if anyone wants to look into this further, then uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think if you if you Google Jonathan Lee, how do I close a funding round? It will come up um, yeah. with my sort of more detailed response I gave, which also links to another uh, post I wrote in my blog about the process of it involved in issuing shares. Um, yeah. So hopefully people will find that um, helpful. And if there's anything unclear, then just post a reply yeah. underneath, and I'll, I'll get back to it. Or, get someone else involved to answer perhaps uh, even Steve hey well you never know you never know um, and it's it's just for clarity it's Lee with it's L-E-A isn't it to be, yeah you know, L-E-A yeah that's right Jonathan Lee Network is the, is the, is the sort of brand names that um, the website official names so that it'll come up with the website fantastic that's brilliant that's great well thanks very much for your time Jonathan that's been really really useful and um, uh, yeah thanks for thanks for the call Thanks again to Jonathan for sharing his time and his thoughts and insights in that conversation. It's very much appreciated and I hope you got a lot of value out of it. Please subscribe via iTunes to future episodes. Uh, That way you can get them sent straight to you. And also if you can leave a rating, that is much appreciated. That's it for this week. Um, Hopefully you have a great week ahead and we will look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for listening. Fast Growth Business is brought to you by IP Tax Solutions the innovation tax specialists.